0: This game is over! You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs!
1: McCaffrey's going to get it, and he walks in! Touchdown, San Francisco! Here's Birdie, looking, firing it in, job. caught! Ayuk, touchdown! And the ball came out! Ball is loose! Who's got it?
0: Mix, mix. The 49ers
1: recover, and
0: there it is!
1: The 49ers are going to the Super Bowl! Makes Mixed Picks Sports Show. Welcome to the Mix Picks Sports Show. It's the first day of February, 2024. Let's welcome in Steve Mickelson uh, from MixPicks.com. That's two K's in mix, two K's in picks. MixPicks.com. Hey, Steve, how you doing, man? doing wonderful
0: how's everything
1: excellent and a lot of people uh, watch us on rad tv which you can do at members.radradio.com which clearly shalina is doing so before the before the mixed pick sports show even comes on the air uh, you get to see the behind the scenes of steve wherever he is sitting at his desk in this case with all the sports memorabilia behind him and also me in the the main studio uh, getting ready uh, to go on and, and shalina couldn't wait she right, or right emailed us uh, radradradio.com you can do that anytime during the show or after uh, we'll pick it up the next day if it's something uh, worth going back to you you can call us live, 888-989-9811. Shalina says, Woot, woot, love seeing Steve wearing my team's hat. Tell Steve I'm so sorry his Lions didn't win. I was rooting for them to go all the way. Okay, thanks, Shalina. Love you, Steve, and you're the only reason this girl pays attention to football at all.
0: Well, thank you very much. You got to support the local team. I, I mean, I live in Las Vegas. You know, I wish I could become a bigger, redder fan but I do root for them on Sundays. I'm just such a diehard Detroit Lions fan. It's hard for me to get fully on board with any other team.
1: But if if uh, if the scenario was if the Raiders, let's say, uh, they they uh, they went to a Super Bowl, whether uh, no matter where it was played, um, and it wasn't against your Lions, you would be inclined, I, I assume, to root for the Raiders.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and my plan is when I retire, I want to be an usher <laughs> I at the this. Raiders. I want to be the guy, your seats <laughs> right down here so I can watch the game and just walk around. You know, they don't have to pay me a whole lot, just enough to cover my gas to get to and from the stadium. And uh, that's that's what part of my retirement plan is.
1: And isn't isn't in fact you're lining it up for what we know now are at least three, and probably by the time you retire it will be all four. You want to do the same thing at A's games and Golden Knights games, and we we know they're building a basketball arena, so I assume you would like to rotate through all four of them endlessly.
0: A- absolutely, I'm such a big <laughs> sports fan. That's how I want to re- spend my retirement years.
1: Well, and, and I mean what a, what a, what for you? What a gig! You're seeing the games. You're close. And, and and you're not paying for it. I mean, that, that would be – you're just working a little bit. I mean, that really is such a great plan for you.
0: Absolutely. I don't want to be the guy taking the tickets at the gate because I'm not seeing the game. If I can't right. see the game, not interested. You can get somebody else. But what? I want to be able to – you know, I don't have to watch the whole game. I just want to be able to watch – you know, at least half, if not a little bit more.
1: Would you go as far? Like, let's say there's no Usher openings. Would you go as far as as, as being a concessionaire that walks through, you know, hot dog, get your hot dog?
0: <laughs> no, I think that'd be a little too much work for me up and down the stand. <laughs> And my arm isn't very good anymore. So I couldn't throw my peanuts, you know, well, two, three rows and, okay. you know, 10 deep to get it to them. So I just make a fool out of myself doing that.
1: Uh, we also right when we when we started the show, we got an email about the very thing that you got to lead with. Uh, I always I always come prepared with a variety of things, but uh, the, things happen. Uh, you know, I got to check the breaking news. And sure enough, Jeremy's got an email right away uh, about the story I was going to start with. He says, Dear Steve, doesn't want my opinion. That's cool. Uh, says Washington hired Dan Quinn as their head coach. Uh, and he's got a question. Uh, he's got it right. The Washington Commanders are hiring Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn as their next coach. He was – he was. we were told he was going to get the Seattle job. And then right when we go off the air yesterday, like, it's like they just wanted to screw us and wait until 1101 to make the announcement. Mike McDonald from the Ravens got hired, which we heard he blew the Seahawks away at the interview. We'll get to that hire in a moment. Uh, and, uh, and Dan Quinn, of course, uh, coached the Falcons all the way to that dreaded Super Bowl where they were up to 28-3 to th- and then lost uh, to the Patriots in overtime. And um, th- when we were talking about Seattle, uh, you, you, uh, you actually silenced me, Steve, because uh, when I said uh, Dan Quinn, you said, Dan Quinn over Pete Carroll. not, not like It's like, how do, you, how do you square this circle? And Jeremy's question is, uh, Washington hired Dan Quinn as their head coach. This feels like a lateral move from Ron Rivera. Am I wrong?
0: I'm not sure you're wrong. Uh, you know, Dan Quinn's a quality coach. He led the Falcons to two playoff appearances, a Super Bowl appearance. Uh, but it also just shows how important a quarterback is. Not that Matt Ryan is a world beater by any means, but, you know, he was a good enough quarterback to lead this team to the Super Bowl. The Falcons have not had a quality quarterback the last few years. We see the difference here. I think Dan Quinn is a good coach. You know, I think the tougher question would be, is do I see him still being the commander's head coach in four years and (laughs) depending on management and what they do in the draft, that to me is the more important part because you have to have a GM, you have to have your player development person, be able to land you quality players in the draft and if they do, I think Dan Quinn can be successful. If they don't, then he's going to be out within three years. I
1: mean, the Commanders. There was there was a point very early in this season where a lot of us were were thinking, "Whoa, are are the Commanders going to surprise us?" And then it all fell apart. So, I mean, there's something there to work with, and and I actually see a parallel here between the Commanders' hire and the Seahawks' hire as well. And it, it's it, it goes right to what you, you just said, uh, Mike McDonald. Uh, was defensive coordinator for the Ravens, uh, vaulted uh, vaunted defense, uh, becomes the youngest uh, NFL coach, and and they they're both defensive guys, Quinn and McDonald, and both teams have a quarterback issue. The Seahawks have Geno Smith, but that's not your long term plan, and the 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 Commanders have the number two pick in the draft, so they can get a quarterback. You're right, they got to draft good talent. The, the front office, the GMs, they got to. These two guys are defensive guys. In the way I assess this, the hiring of the offensive coordinator for both of these guys becomes extraordinarily important because they need somebody to coach up a draft pick maybe, whatever they're going to do with that second-round pick, fix Geno Smith, whatever they're going to do in Seattle, and they're going to need an offensive mind to to guide that process.
0: Absolutely, and you have to keep in mind, if they do a really great job, that coordinator is going to be moving on, so (laughs) – it somewhat surprises me that they've gone in defensive areas on both of these. When you look at the teams that make the playoffs the last few years, it's really become about the offense. The majority of the teams in the playoffs that advance well through the playoffs are offensive-minded head coaches. And that tends to be the trend that you see in the NFL. When you go with a defensive, you know, guy, you, you gotta find somebody to run the offense. And, and the part with You know, Dan Quinn is a defensive guy, but yet the Falcons during their time, I don't believe were ever in the top 10 in defense categories while he was the head coach there. So it is really important that they get a great offensive mind to run that offense and allow Quinn to focus on that defense.
1: And you're so right. I mean, just this year, right away, you start thinking about, I mean, offensive minds, Mike, uh, Mike, sorry, Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid, and you start going back and thinking about it, it, it. God, you know, defense for so long has been for those that are deep in the NFL. We know defense. You know, go back to the '85 Bears. I, I mentioned it uh, last week. The the the, the Niners uh, of the '80s and '90s. You know, the offense gets all the credit, but they always had the number one defense. And, and the 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 Ravens, uh, in, when the in the, uh, the the turn of the century team, the Ray Lewis team. You know, the the defense is often credited for those of us deep in the NFL as the thing. And yet the offense gets all the credit and offensive minded coaches seem to be the ones that have the overwhelming amount of success, which just, it, it's both sides of the ball is the answer. Correct. And we
0: grew up under the defense wins championships philosophy, right. you know, even the Cowboys Dur- during yeah. their great years, the Cowboys were not one of the top defenses in the league. So that's what we understand and know. But any more to be successful in the NFL because the rule changes and everything we see, it's really geared to offense. We see this with all the leagues. They want it in baseball, basketball, football. It's the offense, and that's where you have to have an offensive-minded person overseeing the team. It, It isn't required, but I think it gives you a nice advantage because they can also develop that quarterback and build that relationship because you don't wanna be going through you know, every year a different offensive coordinator because that doesn't help a quarterback develop.
1: We could kill a whole show. We could kill a whole week of shows on the whole chicks dig the long ball theory because that's where this kind of started in the, the late 90s with baseball and that you're right. Every league's doing it now because it's an entertainment, because it's a business and because you're right. In the NFL specifically, There are people screaming as we go down this road of, well, the reason you have to have a great offensive mind is because no matter how great your defense is, they're not allowed to play because of the the, the rules changes. And that's where we go down that rabbit hole of that's why offense is king now uh, in the the NFL, because the defense isn't allowed to do what it could have or should have done uh, a decade and more ago. Absolutely. Um, so back to the, the youngest coach in the uh, the NFL. One of the things caught my eye that I don't know if we've ever talked about, Steve. Uh, Seattle has given Mike, uh, Mike McDonald a six-year contract. On one hand, I think, well, that's, that's good. You, you, a guy deserves time to develop his system and – and, and see where it goes and know that he has the security and he's young and said, blah, 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 blah. And then I go back to reality and I go, look, and I'm not talking about specifically Seattle it, because some some organizations give you plenty of time. But basically in the NFL, like you were alluding to in the Commanders with Dan Quinn, if McDonald isn't in the, the postseason in year two or three for sure – they're just going to be paying him for the next three years. I mean, what do you, how do you feel about these long-term first-time contracts? Like, if if the Steelers tomorrow said uh, we're just going to give Tomlin another six seven years, I would be fine if he wants to coach that long, he's earned it. Same thing, John Harbaugh. Certain names. Uh, if Andy Reid said just give me a lifetime contract to I leave. you know, there's certain guys. You, but th- this guy's never coached as a head coach, and he's 36. I love the overt commitment, and he knows he's getting paid for six years. Do you really think that if he if he's wobbling in year three, they're going to give him three more.
0: No, I don't think they're going to give him three more. If he's wobbling, you have to also look at the fact that he's a first year coach. So I don't think he's getting the quality, you know, the high annual salary at, you know, 12, 14, 15 million a year. I haven't seen what his contract is, uh, but I'd be willing to give him the six years. Look, we have faith in you. We've hired you as our head coach. I'm going to give you a six year contract, but you know, it's not going to be as one of the top paying coaches in the league. It gives him that security. So if after three years, you know, he's made his money and he still has a contract sitting out there and it's not so much, you know, it's not like the John Gruden 10 year, hundred million, you let him go. And, you know, we still got a lot of money. We still have to pay. And then you're paying Josh McDaniels Mm -hmm. as well. Um, You just move it on. You let him go. You bring in a new person. But you're giving him that faith in him up front with the six-year contract. And if he turns out to be a great hire, which obviously you have to believe the Seahawks think it is because that's the guy they hired, you know, you got a bargain for the first several years. And then at that point, you lock him in for a much bigger contract going forward
1: the uh, the Raiders I don't have the story in front of me I I did it months ago Uh, the the Raiders are paying an astronomical amount to coaches that are no longer there Gruden's the big one McDaniels and there's another there's another thing in there I forget what it is but that that is the the horror story that you can find yourself in if you keep making horrible hires like Josh McDaniels and you're you're giving them long-term contracts the Gruden thing I mean he in hindsight Everything blew up, but that that was an example of when they did it i I was like, I was fine with that. John gruden was the best coach in the league at the time. We didn't know what was going to happen happen. I did double check while you were talking. There is no up to date information that's being reported on uh on uh, uh, Mike McDonald's contract in terms of uh the dollar figures, only that it's four or six years. These things take a little bit of time to leak out. We have no information on Dan Quinn. we haven't even been told. First of all, it's not even official that he's been hired, but everybody knows he has. But we haven't been told years on that. We, it, we do know now, a week later, about Jim Harbaugh. Wasn't cheap to get him to come to the Chargers. We knew it wouldn't. Pro Football Talk reports that he is getting $16 million a year, and the deal is for five years, which makes him the second highest paid coach in the league behind Sean Payton, who gets $18 million a season from the Broncos. Those are the names that get those kind of dollars on the sidelines.
0: It kind of surprises me that Harbaugh is not the highest paid yeah. coach that, that Sean Payton is actually getting paid more with the Broncos than Harbaugh, you know, to me, Harbaugh could have picked his spot. Everyone wanted him. I think he wanted back in the year. The other part is, is he got a, a five-year, six-year deal.
1: Uh, it says uh, the reporting from
0: pro football talks is five years, a five-year. I would have thought he would have got more of a six to eight-year deal there uh, for the money, but you know, the shorter the contract, To me, it should be the higher annual salary, and he didn't get that either. So, you know, again, it has to be a spot that Harbaugh felt comfortable with, wanted to go. He's always shown that he's not all about the money. When he was willing to stay at Michigan and they cut his salary in half, basically, and he stayed, it shows it's not all about the money. It's the right situation, the right time and I wish him all the success with the Los Angeles Chargers.
1: This is one of my favorite things that we do in the sports world, the entertainment world, where we we try to evaluate and project personality. And I mean that. I'm not being sarcastic. So I'm going to give you mine on, on Harbaugh, having watched him closely when he was a, a the head coach of the Niners and, and other things. Uh, first of all, I think we could both agree uh, he doesn't need the money, quote, quote. Um, you know, I, I, I begrudge no one making as much money as they want. I'm pretty sure – he and his family are generationally set financially, and hey, uh, sixteen million a year—I bet you and I would be good with that. So, uh, I—the way I evaluated—is this Harbaugh has a reputation for getting antsy. He likes to move around, like say every five years. He—he um, uh, he wants to win. He—he—he—the one thing this guy wants, and he has not been shy—he wants to be the fourth guy, national championship, Lombardi Trophy, and he's tasted it. And I think he looked around, and to your point, he said. Justin herbert that's my chance of the of the jobs that are out there that i 'm being interviewed for. This is my shot, and said to his agent, "Give me five years, give me enough that it's the, that I'm in the upper stratosphere, and I'm going to go win and then his history with always not caring about the money with Michigan and things like that i'm just guessing I, that's how I read it, which is similar to your read it, it just adding in that antsy thing that it has been rumored about him through his whole career that he he eh, after a while, I just got to go and I got to do something different."
0: I I agree with you there. And, and, you know, look at a business. If, If by rights, you want people that you hire in that want to grow with the company and continue to move up. You don't really want to hire people that, Oh, Hey, bring me into this job. This is what I want to do the next 20 years. That is fine because you need people to do those roles. But if you're looking at management, et cetera, you want people who are hungry to grow, to do what it takes to move up the ladder and Harbaugh always had that. And, you know, I get that every four to five years, I got to look for a new challenge. I'm just, I, I really am hoping he has success with the Chargers because I'd like to see him stay in the NFL.
1: Uh, Kevin just emailed right now, RAD at RadRaver.com and added in another thing. He says 16 million a year and I get to live in San Diego. I'll take it. Good point that might quality of life may have uh, led into. Let's back up a little bit. My mind's uh, spinning. We ended yesterday's show talking about just briefly what the Cowboys have to do uh, to live up to Jerry Jones. We're going to be all in. As we look at these two hires, uh, first of all, Seattle, we touched on the quarterback thing. They're already talking about McDonald's, a defensive genius. Uh, They're going to become another Legion of Boom. Uh, What comes to mind initially, Steve, that Seattle has to do? They They were in it. They, they were in the playoff hunt right up until they weren't. So they're not, they're not, he's not getting a broken down clunker here. What right away do you think Seattle's got to do this?
0: I think they need to look at more of a long-term quarterback and Geno Smith was all right, but they have to look at that going longer term. You know, the last several years, the running backs, you know, really since Lynch left, the running backs just can't seem to stay healthy. You know, they have a good running back there. Uh, I like their wide receivers. They need to make sure they keep them in in place, and they have a lot of good young talent on the team. But for the last several years, they've had to improve that offensive line. The offensive line just really hasn't been good, and that's an area for me. They got to continue to improve in. You know, so if you can build your offensive line, get a quarterback, and I'm not saying use your number one pick on a quarterback right here but it's a very deep quarterback class. Maybe you can get something in the second round that you feel you can develop and still get a quality first rounder, but that's the areas for me. I think offensive line and a longer-term quarterback.
1: The known unknown in that division remains the Arizona Cardinals and what they're going to do, but that is a tough division for Seattle. Obviously the Niners, the Rams, who were surprisingly better than they thought they would be this year, and he – i mean you you could look right there at four losses a year if they don't make the improvements you're talking about and that takes us over to washington and there's two things that jumped out about the commanders higher the one of them has nothing to do with the team they were four and 13 this year as i mentioned there was a there was a period there was like two three week, week period where a lot of us you and me included were going hey maybe the commanders are going to be better than uh, no never mind so we know they need a quarterback they've got a first round pick what are this the what i had it right here in front of me second pick um I'll, I'll confirm that in a second. Overall, it is this a team? I guess I would ask you this way. Can Quinn turn this around into a contender in one season or is he going to need two?
0: I think he's going to need at least two in this situation. The first thing for me, Dan Quinn's got to do is figure out the quarterback position. I mean, Sam Howell, you know, at one point was leading the NFL in passing yards yet down the stretch, he gets benched. Is Sam Howell part of your future Or what are you going to do with him? Are you going to move on, draft the quarterback with that number two, like a Drake may at two for the spot. And then, you know, in a sense, you've kind of wasted that pick for Sam Howell. Are you going to be able to trade him? Or does Sam Howell be content with being a backup? And they also just need more depth. I mean, they traded away their their defensive line. Chase Young got traded away. Uh, Sweat went to the Bears. So they lost them there they need to build some depth. They they need to have more quality players, which, you know, getting a lot of draft picks helps you do that. But again, with every team, you can't swing and miss on the draft. You have to put up quality people in those spots. But the first thing, hands down, have to figure out what are you going to do at quarterback because that's going to, Determine everything you do going forward and what direction your team's going to
1: take. Uh, by the way, they uh, confirmed they do have the number two pick. I was stumbling over that. Uh, the Commanders hired Adam Peters as their uh, general ma- manager. Uh, Dan Quinn getting hired is the is the first uh, big uh, move of him. I don't know anything about uh, Adam Peters, but when you're talking about the draft, that starts with the GM and having a relationship with uh, the head coach and everybody in between. Do you do you know anything about Adam Peters? I
0: I thought he came from the 49ers. You gotta but, be kidding me. Don't hold me to that. Um, but I was thinking he came over from the 49ers to take this position. And by
1: the way, as I've, as I've mentioned before, as much of a, of a fan of the NFL as I am in the Niners and in, in particular, I, the, the one thing I am really bad at and I admit, is following the front office unless your name is John Lynch. I just—it's hard for me to keep up with these. I mean, every now and then, you know, you hear a name, you go, "Oh, oh yeah, uh, Ozzie Newsome, yeah, that's right." Yeah. Other than that, I just let me just the uh, d- d- Washington Commanders. Uh, d- d- been his career with a, he was a scout. Oh, he was a scout. Okay, that's a good start. Uh, with the New England Patriots in 2003. Okay, not not bad. Uh, then he went to the Broncos. Oh, and there he was, San Francisco Forty ers Vice President of Player Personnel. Uh, and so uh, he left for uh, the Commanders. You Steve, you're so good. All right. Um. I want to bring this up because we, we didn't bother with this after the, the games on, on Sunday, um, but there's commentary on it now. Did you see or or hear about this pregame scuffle in the in the Ravens-Chiefs game uh, between Justin Tucker, Hall of Fame kicker for the Ravens, and Kelsey and Mahomes? Did you hear about this?
0: I was actually watching it in the pregame warm-up. They were down there. They were showing it. You know, Justin Tucker had his stuff and had the T on what looked like the goal line mm-hmm. right next to where Patrick Mahomes was loosening up and throwing passes. And it's like, look, you got the whole other side of the field and you see Mahomes reach down. He takes the T. He kind of throws it behind him. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, the tee's there, you see Kelsey come along. He picks up the guy's helmet, kicks, picks up all the footballs, tosses them a bit, uh, you know, they said it's not a whole lot, and, and uh, Tucker says he's done that all year long. But the question I'd ask is, why is Tucker setting up a tee right in the middle of the opponent's warm-up area? To me, he, he shouldn't be doing that. You're just asking for conflict there, and, you know, go stretch down at the other end of the field.
1: Yeah, they, they the kickers and punters are allowed to work on both sides of the field. You know, wind and and other conditions like that, but they are supposed to stay away from opposing players when they do go to the other side, which led to everything that you described perfectly. I bring it up because Travis Kelsey and his number one podcast in the country now uh, with his brother talked about this. Uh, he, He didn't hold back a lot of cuss words. Uh, He said, if you want to be a blanking blank about it, you keep your helmet and your football and your blanking kicking tee right where the quarterbacks are warming up. If you're not going to pick that up, I'll happily move it for you. He goes on, uh, Travis does, to say uh, about uh, the uh, kicker for the Ravens, Justin Tucker. He says, Justin came out, and he said it was more of a joking gesture and kind of a fun competitive move, and I get it. He was kind of winking at me, being a blank about it, trying to get under the skin. We weren't in a joking mood. We were ready to get after it. He says the kicker ultimately just poked the bear and does that does that really motivate guys like Mahomes and Kelsey that that Tucker Tucker's trying to screw with your head and you screw back you guys go to the sidelines you tell your teammates about it. half of them have already seen it and it gets some blood pumping and you come out you take a 14 nothing lead yeah I get it you got to play the game but I I do believe it has an effect. It didn't win the Chiefs game. And I think Tucker miscalculated. And even if he didn't, I agree with you. He's a jerk for doing that.
0: Yeah, I just don't fully understand. I like to believe the Chiefs are prepared, ready to go. It's the AFC Championship game. By rights, I shouldn't need any more motivation. On the other side, Tucker, what are you trying to do besides get under their skin? Try to get them off their game. So I don't know if it so much was to motivate the chiefs and use that as fuel to play better. I think it was more Tucker just solely. Let me just screw with them a little bit. You know, if I can get them focusing on me and upset, maybe they won't be as focused in the game. And that was his way to try to help the Ravens out to get the chiefs to lose focus not gain any additional focus
1: again, do that thing where we project uh, characteristics onto people. I, I like Justin Tucker a lot. He is, he is a hall of fame kicker and he was profiled. I'm almost certain it was by 60 minutes. He's an operatic singer and he does have he, now that I'm remembering other things, he does have that, like that, that, Uh, wily coyote smart ass personality about him and so i'm starting to lean more towards what you said i and i don't even think he was trying to motivate his own team he was just he just wanted to 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 be a a putz uh we'll take a break we got nba news uh to talk about right after this mix picks the mix pick sports show
0: Call the Mix Pick Sports Show at 888-989-9811. Now
1: we got this email, radradradio.com, from uh, Jeff. I, I said we have uh, NBA news. We do. But Jeff, I'm so glad Jeff wrote in because he reminded me of the other thing that I wanted to bring up about the commanders hiring Dan Quinn. He's he's having fun here. This this goes not this next season, 2024. This would be the following season if you take Jerry Jones's comments. That we talked about yesterday, oh, yeah, I could, I could work with Bill Belichick. He's a friend, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if Jeffrey says, uh, hey, Rob and Steve, can, can we just fast forward? Dallas Cowboys, hire Bill Belichick, trade Dak, put him on HBO Hard Knocks. All right, that's a season or two away if, if it's ever going to happen. But what, what I, what the first thing I thought when the commanders hired Dan Quinn is, with one exception, that confirms what we have been saying. It's, this is it for, for Belichick. He ain't coaching unless – the Andy Reid retires after the Chiefs win or lose, don't know, the Super Bowl, and it's already a little bit in the works. Bill Belichick is brought in because they've got an established team. He wants to come in. He's at the a perennial Super Bowl. Other than that, we can pretty much call it, Steve, pending the outcome of the Super Bowl and Andy Reid's decision, the greatest coach of the NFL will not be coaching for the first time in 26 years.
0: That's going to be the case. I do like his possibilities for next year when you're looking at the Cowboys I think Sirianni has to win and not just make the playoffs I think he needs to make a run into the playoffs for the Eagles keep the job with the Eagles you know the Bill's job is still sitting out there the question of whether or not their window is going to be closing they got Josh Allen but they just can't seem to beat the Chiefs and advance deep into the playoffs so I think those are also possibilities sitting out there the Chiefs at some point's going to open up. There seems to be a little too many rumors about Andy Reid walking away for not there to be some truth in that matter. So I just hope that Belichick goes up into the booth. I'm hoping we get to hear something, get to find out what he is. You know, maybe he's on a pregame show somewhere, CBS or Fox, and we get to hear the real Bill Belichick. That's what I want to hear.
1: So the, the, I, ma- I alluded to this yesterday, and I, I've, I've heard from a few different uh, contacts in the industry. The rumor that seems to have some legs is that um, Belichick is, is, is positioned and already being courted for Fox under the guise of Fox has Tom Brady. Uh, he will be their A announcer. They have Gronk in the studio and there's also a question of whether Jimmy Johnson's ready to retire again. Uh, but either way, they would make room for Belichick and that both Gronk and Brady have kind of uh, lobbied for it. And uh, we've already talked endlessly about everything we've heard about um, uh, Belichick's personality when he's not on the field. And I, I, it feels like we are going to see that. And if, we, if you look at the four teams you mentioned, let, not knowing what they will look like at the end of, of this next season, the Bills, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Chiefs, the Cowboys would be the least attractive job because of the Jerry Jones factor.
0: Absolutely. I think the Cowboys is the job Belichick takes if he doesn't really have any other options, because we just know Jerry Jones and he likes to meddle and it's his team. He has that right. But, you know, Jerry Jones just doesn't seem to be able to get out of his own way.
1: Least surprising news out of the NBA yesterday, but uh, leads to an interesting question that I wanted to ask you, Steve. Uh, We talked earlier this week about uh, Anthony Edwards, the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves guard who uh, was upset with the, the refs during a winning game of uh, 107-101 over the Oklahoma City Thunder. He called the refs bad, terrible. This is where in the postgame interview, he said, I'll take the fine. Uh, said, uh, as you uh, mentioned, that he felt like they were playing eight on five because all the refs were against him. Uh, and he was fined $40,000 by the NBA. Uh, the NBA said Edwards was disciplined for repeatedly publicly criticizing the officiating. Fine. We already know that. Steve, I don't know if I've ever asked you this. How do you feel about these? Don't criticize our ref rules and fines. It, I I understand the league and the control, and it 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 feels a little off to me. Like why can't why can't the players say the refs screwed us?
0: I think it sets a bad precedence. If you start getting players and coaches being verbal after every game, talking about the calls that the refs blew, um, it really deteriorates from that public faith that the game is, you know, officiated properly. And to me, that would be a downfall for the league. So where I do like to see the honesty, I like the transparency. I just don't think I can get behind the allowing the players, the coaches and all that to really voice their true opinions, because once you have the public does not have the trust in the league, you got to wonder where the league's going to end up going.
1: I just feel like there's some type of happier medium. I know the NBA we talked about last week, they put out their, their sheet of the, the refs and the, these are the mistakes that that they made. And, and I, I do understand you can't just have every play because if there were no ramifications, every player and every coach after every game would point out where the refs had blown a call. I get it. I just wonder if there's a better way for the for the league to to address it. I'm just I'm just talking out loud because I always I always get rubbed a little bit the wrong way about about that, but I, I don't have the answer. So and I was taught a long time ago as a boss, don't come to me with problems and questions, come to me with solutions. Ooh. Okay, fine. Um, okay, so Steve, Damian Lillard, eleven years as a as a Portland Trailblazer, he goes back to Portland. He got, got a standing ovation for one minute. When they announced him, he's, he's on the Milwaukee Bucks now, and then and then the story gets oh it gets so much more amazing because he he opens the door. He wants to finish his career in Portland. He's got family there. Okay, I get it. That that's all neat and cool and and but the, that's not the that's not the story. the The story is that the Portland Trailblazers, one of the worst teams in the NBA, beat the Milwaukee Bucks, one of the best teams in the NBA. That's what we should be talking about. Yes.
0: And the box again, doc rivers has taken over a head coach. You have to give the bucks a little bit of time. We talked about this yesterday to put his system in place. They're emphasizing defense more. I did watch a decent amount of that game last night. There was not a whole lot of defense on that <laughs> Buck side. You know, the players weren't giving the effort and for it to be successful, they have to buy in. I question whether or not they will be able to, uh, but I'm going to go to the other part with the Damian Lillard. Well, if he wants to retire with the Blazers, he wants to go back his family's area, has a home there and everything else. Why did he push to get traded away? He wants to win. Uh, <laughs> I, well, I understand that. but So then you got to ask yourself if you're a Blazers fan. Okay, we traded you away. You went to a team. You win. Now, at this point, you don't have the drive anymore. I won my championship. Now I'll go back to Portland and just collect my paycheck. Yeah, there's that. So then you got to question that going, do we really want him back? Because he wants to win. That's what we want. We don't want players that win and then are content to just now collect a paycheck.
1: And I understand the point about Doc Rivers. We talked about that yesterday, I, and I know it, uh, they were on the road. It just seems like this should have been the the layup game for Doc early on. I know it's the only second game, and, and I know you know the Trailblazers when they beat the Sixers uh, earlier this week, and the Sixers had all those injuries, uh, but the, the this one I, that was what stuck out to me. But it, and it also. It bothered me because it took the Trailblazers out of my ongoing pool of who's going to finish with the fewer wins, fewest wins at the end of the season. Because because the, the Blazers now have jumped up to 15 wins, so they're not in the the conversation right this minute. But your your Detroit Pistons, of course, had that glorious losing streak of 26, uh, which I was hoping they would keep losing until we we were on the air daily so that we could talk about that. But but right now they're up. They have six whopping wins uh, on the whole season. The Wizards have nine, and then you got the Hornets and the Spurs. The Spurs have come alive. They're up to to 10 wins. I I would think, Steve, the smart money is that the Detroit Pistons will finish with the fewest wins, worst record. Which way do you lean?
0: Yeah, the sad part is I think the Pistons have some talent. You know, Cade Cunningham has been out the last couple of games, but the Pistons have some talent. To be a six-win team, (laughs) I I shake my head. I mean, they brought in Monty Williams to be the head coach. They're paying him a lot of money. I believe he's a really good head coach in this league, but he's got to be scratching his head going, you know, what do I have here? We watched him turn the Suns around from nothing into one of the best teams in the NBA. We know he can do it, but this team just has no chemistry and they don't seem to want to play together at all. To me is where the problem is. And Monty's got to figure out, how to make that work with what they have? So don't be surprised if a few of those players, the Ivy or or some other players, get moved. Um, I find it hard to believe they're going to move on from Cade Cunningham, but man, they're they're not fun to watch.
1: No, and the, the Wizards are awful. But I I do I think I think the Spurs are going to get out of this conversation too. I, I think the more they play together, I I, I and I, I think that we're going to see the Spurs show us towards the end of the season that there's a reason I'm I'm coaching for the 26th year in a row with this team. I, I just, the more I watch them, the more I see the potential there.
0: Well, there are reasons by Bayana, Th- this yeah. guy's incredible to sit and watch and, and, you know, some might disagree with me, but I already believe he is an elite player in this league. Um, You know, he might be a top 10 player. He, he is phenomenal. He's only going to get better. They just need to put some talent around him, but having a player like that, I believe it's going to be a lot easier to draw people into San Antonio to want to play with him. Yeah. But if they go get a, you know, a guard, a point guard, a shooting guard, you know, a couple of those positions and team them up with Wembayana, as long as he stay healthy, he's going to be a force in this league for many, many, many years. And
1: Popovich is, is a draw too. And there's no indication he's not going to, see this through. And so if you're, Oh, I'm going to play with Wimbiana and I'm going to play with one of the best coaches. And and my understanding is players really respect pops. That could be the draw to get players to come to San Antonio.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and they're not now, but they are a winning organization. Yeah. We've seen it in the <laughs> past, you know, with Robinson, etc. So they do know how to win. And uh, it, I'm real curious to see how this team develops over the next season or two
1: you said yesterday you were hoping the sacramento kings would win but you had your doubts and they came to fruition they lost to the heat uh 115 106
0: yeah really it was the three ball i mean the kings didn't shoot well from three last night you had to figure the heat would win i mean i think they'd lost seven straight games they went out they got rozier they're starting to get comfortable with him in that lineup you know but jimmy butler etc this is a good heats team. So it's don't view it as a Kings fan. going, Oh, how can we lose? They've lost seven straight. The, the heat are a quality team and, but the Kings the last couple of games have not shot the ball. Well, They just got to figure out how to make the three start dropping again.
1: I'm laughing. I've got a a Kings fan in my production studio who's uh, bobbing his head back and forth and shaking his head no in frustration as you tell him not to. Uh, We got an email from uh, Dimitri that takes us back to your Bailey, which, Stephen. I think it's noteworthy as we get closer to the Super Bowl. A lot of people, uh, tertiary fans or or football fans, but tertiary gamblers, they don't understand a lot of these sports betting terms. So I'm going to throw it at you after this and let you explain. Mix Picks.
0: The Mix Pick Sports Show Let's go. The Mix Pick Sports Show got a hot take
1: email us at rad at radradio.com. or if you have a question like dimitri who was sending this email uh, as we get a week, a week from sunday to the super bowl uh, as we were talking earlier this week super bowl march madness those are the kings uh, when it comes to uh, sports betting but as steve pointed out uh, march madness has spread over many many weeks whereas this is it one big day and a lot of people that don't even usually sports bet they get into it, whether it's the office pool, whether it's one of the 38 states where sports betting is legal, whether it's, a, with a, it's with a buddy or whatever. So Dimitri wrote in, he said, one thing I've never understood is the lines below, meaning something he wrote at the the end of his email here, when it has a negative number or a positive number. And what he did, Steve, is he's citing something out of a CBSSports.com uh, article where, where a guy like you, who uh, who has a, this le- this lengthy history of running sports books, is now got a website – and not nearly as good as mixedpicks.com, of course, where he tells people how to bet and gives them their opinion. And, and you got to pay or you got to you know, subscribe or, or whatever. But the thing he cited is 49ers versus Chiefs money line. And then it says San Francisco minus 128, Kansas City plus 108. And Demetri says, what does this mean? I spend $100 to make $8 on the Chiefs or $28 on the 49ers. I don't understand any of this.
0: Well the simplest way to put it is the minus is always the favorite and that is telling you how much you have to put up to win $1 so in this case you see minus 128 it means you got to put up $1.28 to win $1 $12.80 to win 10 $128 to win 100 the plus is always the underdog and that shows how much you win for every dollar you bet so, if you are plus 108, a $1 dollar wins $1.08. $10 wins $10.80. $10. $100 wins $108. Now, keep in mind that with all of these bets, you get your bet original bet back in addition to what you win. So, a $100 bet on the Chiefs to win on the money line would win 108. You would get back $208 where on the other side of the 49ers, you have to put up $128 to win 100 But if the 49ers win, you get your $128 back plus $100, so you'd get back $228. So the minus is always the favorite, and that's how much you win for every dollar you bet.
1: You understand why people's heads spin at some of this stuff, and once you get it, you get it. I mean, you just did that like that off and pop your head because you've been doing this for decades. You were talking earlier this week about as a better. For certain things, like I think we're going back with the back and forth with the line, talking about how the the, the Niners open as a favorite, it got all the way down to a pick'em, and then you know at some point you might want to lock in. You said maybe early when on with mixedpicks.com. How long do you, do do you post? Because I know how you do it during the regular season. It's usually the morning of the NFL games and stuff. Do you start to post a little sooner than the than Super Bowl Sunday? Various things that you're that you're locked in on for, for like for the Super Bowl already. If there's something
0: that I really like, yes, I will. If not, I tend to wait much closer to game time because you want to see how the lines are moving and what exactly you're at. One of the things I can tell you about the Super Bowl is with the point spread, because people either want to see teams win or lose. So what you'll see is you'll see a lot of people take the 49ers minus the points, and you'll see most everyone who likes the Chiefs take the Chiefs on the money line. Because they're just hoping that the Chiefs win and they get better odds than that minus 110, 11 to win 10 that you're going to get. So most people look at it and say, look, I can get two points with the Chiefs. I got to put up 11 to win 10. I would rather take the Chiefs just to win. And for my 10, I get 1080. So that's one of the things you see about the Super Bowl. And as you get closer to game time, you are going to see a bigger split because if you're looking at minus two, Your odds really should be at that minus 130 to minus 135 on the favorite. But as this game's going to go, you're going to see things more like minus 123 to minus 125 or possibly even maybe down to minus 120. And the reason is because the people are betting the Chiefs on the money line. So a sportsbook is going to... Move the line itself based on money coming in, but this is one of the few games that you're also going to slightly adjust the money line because you are going to get such a big flow of Chiefs money line bets coming in that they're not going to match up like you normally will see during the regular season.
1: What's the smart thinking on on a on, on a money line that's so close where where the you know the 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 spread keeps just I mean it's so you know back and forth versus just a straight up bet. Where it's just Niners are going to win or the Chiefs are going to win. At, at, at this point, is there, is there? What's the thought process of well, why don't I just? It's the same as the money line because it's so close. Or wait, no, the game's going to be so close. Does that make sense as a question?
0: I think where you're trying to go with that is you got to look at the number. You know, for the most part, if for me, if you're going to be a, a less than three point favorite, because two is really not a you know, a big number games don't really fall on too very often. So if you're looking at a favorite and you like the dog, that's less than a three point favorite. To me, I think you do need to look at the money line in that situation where to take a money line for, I I would rather lay one and a half and take my chances that the game doesn't fall one, than put up, uh, you know, a dollar twenty-five to win a dollar because at one and a half, that's really where the spread is at. So the point spreads come into place. This Super Bowl is sitting at two, but another thing you look at is if you're not confident of a team being like a six, six and a half, seven-point favorite, we all there's teasers out there. So then you can look at teasing it with another game. And for me, the big part with teasers is you never want to tease across zero because you're giving points away when you go one to zero, zero to one, and that takes away the value on your teaser. The other part on a teaser is it's, it's all about the numbers. You don't want to tease down to end up at minus four. That doesn't do you any good. It'd be better to take the other side. And I might be getting a little too in depth here, but the numbers and the prices are so important on both. You you don't want to just go to a place and make a bet if they're ripping you off and that's another segment
1: (laughs) yeah and and we will we will continue to try to educate uh, about sports betting as we go and the good news is I'm kind of a dummy, and so I get to ask questions that people that are maybe interested uh would be thinking. Uh, I lived uh, almost a decade in Reno, and I think I maybe made i don't know a dozen maybe two dozen parlay cards while I was there, and we'll explain what those are, et cetera. So just to kind of dumb it down as you were talking, I was thinking, okay Steve, scenario uh, i'm going to go to uh, let's pretend I'm going to Reno this weekend, and um, I have to make I have to make a bet, I want to make a bet um, and uh, I, I don't I, I won't be getting back there. And i don't have anybody that can do it for me so steve i gotta place my bet this weekend and here's all i know i, I believe the niners are gonna win that's all i know what, what what should i do steve
0: i would look for the best price i'd look at the 49ers if i could get them at minus one and a half uh even minus two i'm not i'm not afraid of that minus two so money Th- line. then i would just take them on the point spread okay. at minus one and a half or minus two
1: is there anything that you alluded to if there's something that you really like is there anything right now Ten days, nine days away from the Super Bowl—that's grabbing you. Like anything, where you're like, "Oh yeah, th- this I I I know." For like the over/under, which I have at 47 and a half on the one I have. Like, do you do you like? Are you sitting there going, "Oh God, that's definitely blank," or are you not there yet? I,
0: I like the 49ers. I'm not really there yet. I would have snagged the 49ers at Pickham and minus one when they were out there because I do believe this game's going to close like two two and a half. I think that 49ers money is going to come in. Um So for me, the earlier you can get the 49ers, the better off. I don't really believe it's going to go down. Uh, If you're the chiefs, I would probably wait a little bit to see if I could get to two and a half in this game. Uh, But I I don't really have a whole lot right there. I'm not a totals guy because I've always grown up under the belief that the under is a winner until it loses, where if you bet the, over and it never wins at no time was your ticket ever a winner it's kind of that you know playing blackjack don't ever hit and bust if you don't have to because when you bust it doesn't matter what the dealer gets you've already lost your hand before they have to commit so I tend to look unders in football Uh, I'm not very good at it so I stay away from over and unders (laughs) and
1: and we we started the show by talking about these two brilliant offensive minds as coaches and these two prolific offenses and it's 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 hard without diving into things it is kind of hard to imagine with with the problems that each team's defense has uh the Niners uh pass rush has been shaky uh over the last few weeks their run defense shaky and 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 yet and you've got Mahomes on the other side it's hard to imagine the game staying under and yet for example the Chiefs 17-10 17-10 against uh, the Ravens, I, I'm i bad at over under two, man. I mean, 47 and a half, I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, and both of these teams
0: really, for the most part, slow the game down and have long drives. So You're not going to look at a lot of possessions here. You might be looking at 10, maybe 11 possessions per team, as opposed to some other teams that may average 14 or 15 possessions. The the killer for the overs are when you see those seven, eight, nine minute drives and they settle for a field goal. Ugh. You're like, oh, look, I just killed so much time on that clock. And both of these teams can do that so well that it makes it tough for me to bet it over, but we all want the scoring. We want to see a good high-scoring game.
1: Do you care at all about who the officiating crew, does that come into play? Do you consider that at all whatsoever? It's always a crew that hasn't worked together all year. The NFL uses this evaluation system uh, to pick out who each one is. Uh, and the uh, NFL named, uh, like over a week ago, Bill Vinovich as its lead referee for the Super Bowl. It's his uh, second in the past five years. Do, do you take anything like that into account?
0: Not at this point in the season. You might look at it during the regular season, but I kind of view it as, look, the NFL wants the best game. They don't want questions. They're going to put who they feel is the best, you know, refs in the right position because the best officiated games are the games that we do not notice the referees. So you have to have your best there. So I don't really, I trust the NFL to try to do that. You know, I know there's a lot of, oh, well, we want this team and conspiracy theories out there that the NFL wants a certain team. I still have to believe that it's legit and they want the best product possible and they're going to put the best refs out there so we get a quality game.
1: And to to further that point and to those of us that want to watch them play the game, Vinovich's regular season crews, now, again, he doesn't have his regular crew with him, uh, but he's the head referee of the crew. That average throughout the season the fewest flags per game. So that to me shows the NFL's evaluation system is targeted right towards what you're saying that in the end, they do want the crew that's going to let us see the quality game play out. Absolutely. And as a fan, that's what you want to see as well. Let them play unless it's,
0: you know, a really bad foul. You know, don't throw the flag. Let them play.
1: Absolutely. The whole game, but especially in that fourth quarter if it's close at all. Thanks for another great day, Steve. We'll talk again tomorrow morning at 10 a.m.
0: Thank you.